Outside the Tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to episode number 30, the big 3-0 no way. of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. And we're your co-hosts. Wow, 30. wacky, weird co-host. 30 episodes in. 30 weeks. We've been doing this for 30, 30 weeks. weeks now. Holy cow. We're having a blast. Yeah, it's fun. It, it's it's fun. It's educating. Just like what we do inside of our Growth 10 business, we learn more than uh, probably you learn. We're taking more notes. We're applying everything. I mean, w- we have had some of the most creative, dynamic caring entrepreneurs on on these shows that I've ever met in a lifetime. I've probably learned more over these 30 episodes than I have the previous 30 years of my career. Oh, they're, I mean, every one of them, they've got such unique personal stories and journeys. They've got really cool businesses. Um, They're all working tirelessly to grow and scale the business. you know, I, universally, they're they're good people. They're treating their employees the right way. They do right by their customers. Yep. They're constantly trying to get better. They've got big, incredible visions for, you know, what they're doing. So these conversations have been great. So if you're new to the show, go back and listen to them all. There, there's literally not a bad episode because every entrepreneur is so cool, has great lessons. And, you know, we love to share the story of what happened on the show, uh, what happened after uh, the episode aired, and then highlight some of the things we learned. Because uh, I don't care what kind of business uh, you're running. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur that's that's in growth mode and you want to learn every single episode, so you can learn from these incredible people. So we're excited about this. I had a comment recently from a listener. He said, this is an advanced degree. This is a master's in entrepreneurialism. And I really agree with that. Yeah, because it's real world stuff. It's not textbook stuff. It's not uh, boring, dry hypotheticals. These are real people, real businesses. Um, and they're all so unique. And, and they've all got so much stuff to share. So yeah, there, there's a lot to take from this. And uh, if you're new to the show, Growth 10, we help two types of people. We help entrepreneurs that are in growth mode, scaling their business rapidly, and want to be in peer groups, masterminds, with other people going through the same. So if you're running a business and you're on a lonely island and you're operating in a bubble and you're like, dude, I I need some help. I need some other people that I can bounce ideas off of, you know, share my challenges, learn from what they're doing that's successful. Hit us on email. We'll find a great group for you. We have groups literally all over the world um, in these private uh, groups, and then we provide all this great education uh, in addition. So it's a really cool entrepreneurial learning community. Uh, Tom at growth10.com, Joe at growth10.com. Just hit us. Growth, the number 10. That's right. Don't spell out T-E-N. So, yeah, don't. (laughs) So hit us if we can help you, and we'll find a great group for you. And then if you're a more seasoned entrepreneur, if you like mentoring entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and giving back and sharing your wisdom and expertise. Um, 
and say, hey, I'd actually love to run masterminds of entrepreneurs and, and lead those groups and help those people each month. Again, Tom at Growth10.com, Joe at Growth10.com. We have a ton of practice leaders building and running incredible groups all over the country and really, again, the world. Um, if that type of work sounds interesting to you, hit us. We'll walk you through our platform and, and how we help people build and run these incredible groups. So that's what we do. And uh, at the end of the day, we love talking to entrepreneurs. We love helping entrepreneurs. And that's why this podcast is so fun because we're meeting all these incredible people with these great and unique stories. And here's another one. Chris Gronkowski of Ice Shaker Protein Shake uh, on Shark Tank Season 9, Episode 4. Gronkowski, why does that sound familiar? Did you used to play in the NFL? I did, yes. Yeah, that's, that's right. What position? <laughs> I played when they didn't have helmets. So yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I was left out. <laughs> Season 9, Episode 4, air date of October 15th, 2017. So this has been a few years now. There's yep. probably a lot of, of updates. Uh, Chris goes into the show asking 100000 for 10%. So the Ice Shaker Protein Shake, he's valuing it a million bucks. He's one of five Gronkowski brothers. Um First six months in business did 80000 of revenue. So yeah. obviously some some proof of concept there. Uh, making these things for $5, selling them for 25 website, Amazon, fitness expos, uh, was in a few retail shops, again, at the time of airing. So what did the Sharks have to say? Well, by the way, 100% of them made an offer. So they yeah. absolutely lo- love this. And they went back and forth. Uh, Barb thinks they should have in- changed their name and incorporated Gronkowski in the name. But What did I, you think? I I like the long-term play of not having the name attached. And I agreed. I actually I didn't like yeah. that suggestion. Um, so the, I think they got who they wanted. I think they uh, – Lori joined um, – uh, Mark and Alex, but then Lori backed out. So uh, eventually, it was uh, A. Rod and Mr. Cuban, and a deal was had. Hundred and fifty thousand for fifteen percent. So a little more equity and a little more cash, but got the valuation that he went in with. So let's get to our interview with Chris Gronkowski. All right, we're here with Chris Gronkowski, Ice Shaker. Chris, welcome to Outside the Tank. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Well, we're, we're pumped to have you. And uh, let's start at the beginning. Where did the idea for the ice shaker come from? Man, uh, it was not a day like today in Texas. It's freezing here right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was it was hot. It was a summer day. Um, yeah, I was going to the gym. And by the time I got there, I had this plastic shaker bottle. And it was warm. I was actually sweating everywhere because I put ice in it. And, um, you know, I was just making like sweat rings on the ground, I took a sip and I'm like, man, there's gotta be something better out there. Right. I got all these insulated cups for work and it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's 20, uh, at this time it was what, 20, 2016. And I'm like, there's just gotta be something better. So I went home expecting just to find something that I liked that I could you know, keep my drinks cold with, but also mix. And there's just nothing out there on the market at that time. So I uh, just saw this opportunity, um, to really just create the best cup that I could for myself that. I could use all day, every day. Uh, I just hated having like four or five different cups in the sink at the end of the day. So I just wanted to make one cup I could use all day, every day for everything I did. And this all happened pretty quickly, right? So the idea comes to you in 2016 and then, you know, a year later, you're on Shark Tank. So walk us through the process. What did you, you know, you you built a prototype, you uh, got a little money to get this thing up and running. Tell us, 
you know, what happened in that year for it to go from, oh, this would be a better way of having this problem solved to it actually becoming a product? Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple of things that were already happening. Um, you know, the first one was I was working with my wife. We had our own business um, and we were sourcing product as well. So I had a pretty good idea on how to uh, get product, how to source. And I already had some connections there. So um, the other thing that was going on was I had this email from uh, 2012 uh, from my agent, my NFL agent at the time, just saying, hey, uh, Shark Tank is looking for current or former NFL players. Uh, if you have any interest in joining the show, uh, you know, just reply back to this email. So um, I had this in my back pocket. Uh, I love the show. I started like I never even used email back then. I didn't even really know what I was doing. But I just in my head, I was like, one day I'm going to reply back to this with a great idea to go on the show. So um, I kind of had that plan for me as well. So started the company, uh, started sourcing different um, just prototypes for it. And once I got something I liked, um, probably 20 prototypes later, you know, ordered it. Had no idea what I was doing. Um, you know, so there were 20, 20 different iterations of the product? Yeah, we, well, it was mostly like seals. So um, to seal a metal cup is hard. And the one thing I didn't want was to leak. And that was the biggest complaint about any metal bottle at the time on the market was that you know, they would leak. So um, we tried every seal we could possibly think of, like inside out seals, like just um, different types of silicone and rubber to figure out the best, uh, the best seal for the bottle. So a lot of it was that. Um, some of it was just different, different pop tops, stuff like that as well. So uh, finally got something we liked, thought it was amazing. Um, I ordered 10,000 to start with thinking uh, <laughs> just blow through units, right? With, with no base or no customer base and no experience, but um, you know, got them. And, and that was kind of when the fun began. I had no clue what to do. Um, I had to start booking shows. I started getting them on Amazon. I had to figure out how to do SEO. I spent no marketing dollars at first at all, besides what it cost for a show. And um, was able to grow it to about 25 grand the first three months. Um, so not bad for, for ground up and just hustling. And um, you know, at that point, uh, I went back to that email. I found that email again and, and I reached out at that point. I wanted to have something. I want to have some kind of proof of concept before I reached out to him. So uh, at that point, you know, I was like, I'm going to reach out. We're going to get that shark thing. It's all going to be good, right? And uh, reached out and, and just got this simple message back like, hey, sorry, I don't work here anymore. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, kind of makes sense. It's like four and a half years later. Uh, I, I should probably have expected that. But uh, luckily, she hit me back right away and was like, hey, I did find the girl that replaced me. Uh, here's her contact information. And I wrote to her and uh, she immediately wrote back and just asked for a submission video. So, um, you know, at that point, it was kind of like, hey, do this, do this, do this. And uh, I knew that it was kind of like, hey, it's like kind of like a one shot. Like, let's make this entertaining and let's try to get on the show. So. I went all out, um, made this video, like me working out, like throwing like football highlight film in there as well, uh, ripping off my shirt at the gym, like doing it all, just trying to make it super entertaining and shot it over. And I was like, man, this is either going to crush it or they're going to be like, what is this guy doing? Like, you know, that's the most embarrassing thing ever. So just went for it. And um, lucky enough, like a week later, they hit me back and were like, yes, we love it. We'd love to you know, take the next steps forward with you. I have a question for you on the on the name of the product, and I think even Barbara questioned why you weren't capitalizing or le uh, leveraging uh, the Gronkowski name. Did that ever come up when you were in uh, the process of the 20 iterations, naming it Ice Shaker? Uh, what was your thinking on using or not using the the great Gronkowski name? Yeah, so I, I've seen it. Uh, you know, work and, and not work as well uh, with a lot of other companies that came in and. 
wanted to use the name. So, you know, they paid my brother a lot of money to put his name on products. And what we saw was that it crushed in the Northeast. You know, if you were a New England fan, um, you know, it did really well. If you're a Gronkowski fan, it did great. Uh, we always saw that those products just never got to their full potential because they limited themselves with their market by putting his name on it. So um, that's exactly what I didn't want it to happen to me. Um, you know, I wanted to find a way to, to help ourselves, put our name behind it, but not put our name on the product. So if someone didn't know who we were or just, hey, if they're Bills fans or, or Miami Dolphin fans or Jets fans out there, they're 100% not going to buy a Gronk shaker. So why limit my market to that? Um uh, so what we did instead and in the game plan all along was to put the family name behind it and also come out with custom editions uh, where we were able to charge more. So uh, I got beat up pretty bad on the show for not naming it the Gronk Shaker. And they, you know, Mr. Wonderful said he wanted to trash all my inventory. And um, at the end of the day, the, the best thing that I could have done was was not call it that just because uh, even to this day, I'll still get emails like, yeah, you wish I'd buy that. But, you know, I'm not a fan of the whatever, um, you know, oh. I'm a Bills fan or whatever. So I'm diehard. I would never buy a New England product, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> you know, even with the name not on it, we still get people that say like, hey, I love your product, but I will refuse to buy it. So um, if it was on there, it would have been even even worse. So um, and a lot of this, the reviews and people's opinions of you and stuff like that. Um, and then also thinking long term down the road, um, yeah. you put your name on the, the product you you can never separate yourself from it. Your valuation will always be a lot less. Um, you know, it, it dies when, yeah. when you try to sell it, you know, it, it ends there. Um, so it definitely decreases the valuation of your company as well. Well, and that's interesting yeah. because everyone thinks, oh, it would only help sales. And what you're saying is, yeah, but we lose, you know, two thirds of the thing. NFL yeah. fans or whatever. I mean, it, it obviously it would be a net gain, you'd think, but there's still plenty of drawback. And then I think the valuation's an excellent point. I mean, if you tie any product to a persona, personality name, you know, then they're going to, I mean, again, they're, they're not going to see the value in the company if they buy it from you. Absolutely. It, you, you, lose, you lose a lot to it. And, um, you know, those conversations have already came up to me just being too involved as well and, and kind of pulling back a little bit from it because, it does. If you ever want to, I mean, I don't have plans at this point to sell the company or anything like that, but that's just from an outside perspective when people talk to me and say, Hey, if you do ever want to, you're going to have to pull yourself back a little bit from it. Uh, this thing has to run without you at the end of the day, if someone wants to buy it, there has to be value there once you're gone. And so you can't be this massive piece of the company. It's got to run without you being the face of it as well. Why did you play flip cup during your pitch? <laughs> That was classic, man. That was my idea. Um, so they kept saying like, hey, you know, we want to get the Sharks involved. We want to make it entertaining. Let's do like a push-up contest or like some kind of sports-related thing. And it was like, well, you, you take five brothers that are, you know, all professional athletes at some point and you play against, uh, you know, the Sharks who, you know, are obviously older and have absolutely... You'd be picking them up off the ground. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there's no entertainment value there at all. So... Um, they kept trying to push something like that. And I was like, no, let's, let's do something that's fun. That's entertaining. that gets them involved. And they, you know, they somewhat have a chance at, so uh, that's what it came down to. I had to convince them that, um, you know, it wasn't a drinking game. It was more about hydrating after uh, you know, a big football game. So we always played with water. You know, is how I pitched them on it. So uh, it took a little bit of convincing and they said they'll never do it again, but I got it pushed through. Well, by the way, I'm pretty good at flip cup and I can't imagine assembling uh, a team, me and four other guys that could beat the the Gronk brothers. Uh, that was an incredible display of flip cup. Yeah, I think we all flipped in the first 
toss, except I think Rob did too. Um, but yeah, I was practicing that just as much as I was practicing my pitch. <laughs> I couldn't be the lead guy and, and sit there, you know, fumbling the first cup. So episode airs uh, October of 2017. What were the first couple days like after you aired? How did life change for you and for the business once you were on the show? Yeah, I mean, it's everything you, you expect. Um, we had a really, I guess, simple product too. Uh, that's just easy to understand and, and it sells well online. So, um, you know, when something like that comes across on Shark Tank, it always does well. So um, immediately we sold out on Amazon. Uh, we kind of had a cool game plan there where, you know, we put all of our old stock on there. We were able to get a newer version of the bottle ready just before the show aired. And um, we wanted to collect a really a customer base. You know, we wanted to know who our customers were. And the only way we could do that was to have them buy from our website and be able to get a little bit more data on them, be able to retarget them as well. And um, send them some cool information to, to make them our customer instead of Amazon. So, um, yeah, sales exploded. Uh, it wasn't just that day or the next day. It was really almost like a week long at that point, just because of Hulu and recording and, uh, you know, people coming back and watching a little bit later. So that first week was amazing. Uh, the first month was, was really good as well. And then because it was October, we rolled right into the holidays. So we just kept selling, kept selling, kept selling. And then after that, we rolled right into, um, just New Year's resolution and, and we get that crowd as well. And um, it really came all the way up until February when it slowed down and we were like, wow, you know, what do we do now? Like, we need to figure this thing out to keep it rolling. Well, yeah, I want to, I want to understand what, what's different now. So, I mean, it's been, you know, over three years since the show aired and, you know, you had the shaker. Uh, how does it look now? You know, how has the business changed? What new products do you have? Yeah, so we, we've significantly grown. Um, you know, we went from that one bottle, one color to we, we actively have around 90 SKUs now. Uh, so about five or six different bottles and um, but just a ton of different color variations throughout those as well. So uh, I have new stuff coming. We'll, we'll move more into like the sports, um, like jugs and stuff like that as well. Uh, it's a big request from from my brother and uh being in Tampa, it's been really hot. So just a shaker isn't enough. So you wanted a, a jug. So we'll, we'll be launching those this year as well. Um, but for us, customization is huge. It really separates us as well. Uh, we're able to personalize each and every bottle. We're big in the promo market. We're big into um, just one-offs for trophies and gifts and stuff like that as well. So it really separates us. And we're able to go to a CrossFit gym and you know, offer them pre-sales with their logo on it and their, their customer's name as well. And just just stuff other companies you know, can't touch. And it's it's been really cool for us to do. So uh, yeah, we, we just continue to grow. I mean, every year we're like, let's make some new stuff. But then we realize, you know, this market's not even close to saturated yet. So uh, we just keep finding new ways and new segments to reach people with. And it just continues to grow with our really our, our just core base products. Uh, we, we come out with some really cool colors. And then, you know, we end up just going back to a lot of the basics as well, because they just keep selling. So uh, we just trying been trying to do a better job of uh, forecasting and keeping stuff in stock. Have you had a uh, big challenge around knockoffs and 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 people competing with you um, in that regard? So yeah, I mean the first three months, uh, the biggest competitor you could possibly have in the shaker bottle market, um, you know, made a, a insulated shaker bottle. So um, came right after us. I think they were purposely trying to um, just way undercut our price to try to get us out because they originally came in the market about pretty much the exact same price as us. And now they sell at about half the, the price uh, that, that we do. So uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you're gonna get the Chinese knockoffs as well. They'll last for 
you know, a couple months or so, they'll take some of your sales and then they're such trash that they end up with, you know, all one-star reviews and they fade away and then a new one comes back. But yeah, for sure. I think um, if you're doing something right, you're always going to have knockoffs. And um, that's pretty evident. And it's easy to find how well you do just by going to Amazon and using some of the different softwares that can track sales and stuff and track profit margins and all that. So uh, we get targeted a lot, but at the end of the day, um, if, if you're doing something right, there's going to be knockoffs. And if you continue to do it right and better than everyone else, you're going to keep growing. And that's what we do. What, what motivates you? Man, uh, I think it's just in my blood at this point, but you grow up with five boys in your family, man. And uh, every day is just an all out competition. Uh, you know, motivation for me is just, I always have just wanted to be the best that I could be. It drives me crazy to wake up and not accomplish something. I'm usually a guy that wakes up, I go right to the gym just so I feel like I, I, I did something um, immediately and really accomplished something big right out the gate. And then, um, you know, the rest of the week, you know, even weekends, I can't, I can't sit through a weekend without getting something checked off my checklist. Yeah. I want to go backwards for a second to the uh, Shark Tank experience. Obviously it's a, it's a rare occurrence when all sharks offer an offer, you know, as, uh, quickly as they did, at least we're looking at that 11 minutes of a much longer. Um, I think they were scared to piss those five off. Yeah, so <laughs> it was just out of intimidation. Uh, but what could you share? Obviously, you you had mentioned, hey, we've got NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball covered. Uh, can you share with us? And we understand that some things you can share, some some things you may not be able to share. But the evolution of the deal, what can you share about it? Yeah. So. Um, we haven't really tapped into those markets at all um, that you were mentioned before, NBA, MLB, NFL. I haven't even got the licensing for those at this point. You know, we grew pretty fast. We didn't go after that market really um, up to this point. So we'll, we'll try to start tapping into that a little more. But relationship-wise, um, Mark has had a, a team built out for a while now. Um, you know, when I entered into Mark Cuban companies, he probably had 60, 70, 80 companies already. Um, and because of that reason, um, you know, he built out a team to help you know, his, his companies that he had. So right. uh, the advisor right away, uh, they started bringing me in to, to um, do different panels and speak and meet some of the other uh, Shark Tank companies as well. And it, it was big. Um, you know, some of them even called me and just said like, Hey, we know where you're at. We know what you're going through right now. You know, if there's anything we can help with, you know, let us know because we've been through that process. So that was really cool to see, but uh, you know, his team's been, it's been all about networking. You know, if I need help with something, it's as simple as asking them and they'll connect me with another company in their portfolio that's doing whatever I'm asking for, uh, you know, really well. So uh, examples just like email marketing, SMS, Facebook marketing, anything like that, where you're like, man, I don't know where to start at. Um, it's anyone in the portfolio doing well with this. And, you know, the next thing you know, I have a call with the CEO or you know, the head of marketing and um, I can get an unbiased opinion about pretty much everything and see kind of the things that are working or not working. So that's been, um, that's been huge. It's been huge um, learning from people that have been successful before me. And then, um, you know, with, with Alex, it was different for sure. Um, you know, he didn't have a team built out. I was, he was a guest on the show. So I think I was his first investment and um, his first investment in kind of like a, a retail product as well. Uh, so definitely a different experience there. He was really good with promoting the product and um, you know, getting in front of people there, but my brother actually ended up buying them out. Um, uh, when he retired. So he, he reached out and 
just said, Hey, would love the opportunity to buy the shares. Um, cause he, you know, he was looking to get more into the business world. And the next thing I know he unretires. So, uh, he ended up buying it and then unretiring and, uh, you know, he just uh, hit me up this morning. was like, I need to come out there and check out everything that's going on. So <laughs> we'll get back into it. So doing a deal with, with Cuban, I mean, you know, it was a no brainer in your situation for the access and the relationships that you've been able to form. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And he's how far, also, how far down the licensing road have you gone? I mean, have you spoken to those leagues and gotten an idea of what the per unit cost would be or haven't even really explored it yet? Not, not like, not NFL. I haven't, um, you know, I went down at NCAA route and, um, you know, got all the costs for that. It's not bad. Uh, it's more of an accounting nightmare than anything where, you know, everything you sell, uh, and inventory nightmare as well. I mean, uh, you know, you have to bring in product for them. Uh, luckily for us, we can, we can customize in house. So we'd probably be a little bit better suited for it than most companies, but um, just inventory and just accounting of every purchase and paying, you know, each and every college their their cut every month is just, you know, at that time or at, at the even still at this time, it's kind of just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for that step yet. So, um, are those flat fees or are they a percentage of the cost of the product? So it's both. You know, you'll you'll pay upfront, uh, you know, a flat fee to, to apply for, you know, different. I guess usually it's it's different um, like conferences in the NCAA that you'll apply for. And then um, depending on what kind of product you're selling, like apparel is always way higher, um, you know, fee that you're going to pay on it. But, you know, depending where you're selling it and what category you're in, it will be a different commission that you, you owe them. So uh, if the school's really good, something like a Texas or you know, a bigger school, they're going to charge you more for it as well. So yeah, it's just, uh, it ends up being a, a lot of accounting. So it sounds like uh, customization uh, with corporate America is easier, uh, less time consuming, less of a headache than professional collegiate licensing at this point. Absolutely. Yeah, it will we'll do really well. And they're big orders too. Um, and they're for events. And what's great about it too, is you're not waiting for sell through. Um, you're not waiting on, on payment terms. You know, they're buying it for an event that say, you know, is in three weeks and they're going to hand them all out for free. So it ends up being a, you know, huge, uh, just, way to get your name out there and, and get eyeballs on your product as well. So, right. uh, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, a good market to be in and we've seen a lot of success there. And so you, do you buy the units overseas, but then you do the, the custom printing in house or how, how does all that work? Yeah. So we, um, unless it's a massive order and we have lead time, you know, we can have it done at the manufacturer, but most of our stuff is, it comes here and it's done in house by us. So we, uh, and what I was doing before this with my wife was I was, you know, doing a, a laser engraving, engraving customization company uh, that we still have. We help each other out, but I was doing that for five years. So uh, the customization side of it, you know, I learned and I did myself for, for five years before I started this. So I'm really, um, you know, fluent in it and, and know how to do it correctly. And we get stuff out really fast. And that's what's been a huge advantage. You know, most of our stuff is shipping within two to three days. What are some of the big lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Man, there are way too many of them. <laughs> you, you learn one every day. Um, you know, process, I think, is huge. Um, you know, having an answer for, for everything is big, uh, you know, or at least having a way for your employee to find the answer. Um, you know, it was something that I looked at in, in 2020 and, and spent a ton of time putting those processes in place so that 
you know, every question wasn't directed to me anymore. Um, you know, there was an answer for it that could be found out without having to ask me. Uh, so I think that was big. Building a team was was even bigger, uh, something I waited too long to do. But um, as an entrepreneur, you try to do everything yourself. You know, you think it's, you know, it's your baby. You think no one else can do it as good as you. Uh, but if you want to grow and you want to scale, you have to come to the realization that you're holding yourself back. You're holding everybody back because you can't do everything. And it's kind of, that was the same thing. And that's kind of where it got me to the processes as well. Um, you know, 2020 and came and, and um, you know, I have three kids under the age of three and, you know, they're all at home, uh, just had a newborn and trying to run a business as well. And I had to start delegating responsibilities. I had to start building out a team. Um, I had to start giving them the, the responsibilities to do certain things as well uh, that I was trying to hold on to. And once I did that, it was just a huge game changer. I mean, everything changed. And it's funny because now I look at it and I'm like, you know, I, I was in the structure with the NFL. I saw it for years and years and years, you know, how to build an amazing team, how a, how a, a business and organization should run. But yet it never really, uh, you know, triggered in my mind until I had to. So uh, once I did that, it's kind of like, hey, you know, championships are won by amazing teams, you know, let's build this team out and let's make sure that everyone has a significant role and you know, every important person is important. Have you, do you think that as time has gone on, you've realized that the parallels between, you know, professional sports and entrepreneurship are actually quite close? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think they're extremely close. Um, that was, I had a, I posted the other day and, and um, I said like, Hey, none of the skills transfer over from football, you know, to whatever your, your you know, next job is or, or next career is. And when I said that, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, blocking people and hitting people and, and learning plays and stuff like that. And everyone got all over me like, oh, I thought you said that, uh, you know, it also shaped you. It made you a great entrepreneur. And I'm like, yeah, it did, but that's not the actual skills. It's more the concepts that you learn and, um, you know, just the, the work ethic and, and dedication, stuff like that. But uh, all that, all that transfers over. I mean, at the end of the day, if you put the hard work in the long hours, you figure it out, you study your opponents, um, you know, you're going to get there and you just got to keep getting better and better every day, like an athlete, because if you don't, you know, there's always someone younger, uh, always someone that's trading harder, that's eventually going to take you out. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Um, I wouldn't say the day-to-day -day skills transfer over in any way. You know, I'm not hitting people anymore, but um, yeah, definitely the the concepts and and seeing just how a business runs. And you know, at that time, you're not sitting there like, oh, I'm going to run my business like this. You don't even think about it, but you, know, you, you soon realize it that it, that it is very similar. Yeah, you're kind of in uh, sports and business. You're kind of always looking over your shoulder. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone's always coming for you. What's your uh, vision for the company? Where do you see this thing in three to five years? Man, um, I think it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Um, I don't think we have to change a ton. I think it's just building amazing relationships and continuing to build the team. We're still small. Uh, you know, we started the year, I think, with nine employees. We're, we're forecasting to end with 24. Um, so I think it's just all about continuing to build the team the right way and take the right steps and there's so much opportunity out there. Uh, we'll introduce new products as well. And at the end of the day, though, we're just still, it's not even close to saturated. Um, you know, the only thing that really separates us from, you know, one of the big dogs is just the team. They're just the people we have around us. It's not the product. Our, our product and quality matches anyone. Uh, it's just getting it out there, getting in front of people, consistently following up and doing everything the right way. And 
every year we, we continue to do that and, and get better. So uh, I think it will be a similar path, just bringing on more and more people and, and building an amazing team. So when you're sitting face to face with somebody interviewing them, what are you evaluating? What are you looking for? What questions are you asking them? Man, so yeah, I, I and I'm I'm not gonna lie, man. That was that was a skill I had to learn too. Uh, interviewing, hiring people is really hard, especially when you've never done it. You haven't grown up in the corporate world. So, uh, man, my my thing and what I look for is people that like to figure things out on their own. Uh, it seems to be one of the hardest things to find where someone, you know, without having to ask me a million questions, they're gonna go out of their way. They're gonna figure it out, and they're probably a lot of times gonna figure out a better way to do it than you thought of. So. Um, it just drives me crazy now because most people, you know, they're just looking for you to do it for them. Uh, it, everything's so easy to find. Everything's accessible. Uh, just go do it. You know, just go actually figure it out and do it. So I, I like to try to drill down on that and figure out what people have done in the past and how they've done it because, you know, I've learned everything in business pretty much on my own, um, you know, from Photoshop to Facebook ads to shipping to engraving to, you know, I'll fix every laser engraver in our building. And it's not because I am some kind of tech guy. Uh, it's because I figured it out. So uh, I like if I could find someone with that uh, kind of, you know, common sense and, and just, uh, and kind of just grit, I guess, um, then, then I always am looking to bring them in, even if they don't have a, you know, the best degree or, you know, the best work experience. So, so scrappiness is a lot more important to you than, than a sheepskin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know personally, uh, you know, I have an accounting degree and it's like, you know, what, what, what has that done for me? And how much have I really, you know, the actual stuff I learned in college, how much of that actually ever applied to, to the day-to-day -day that I do now uh, and really anyone's day-to-day, -day. you know, there's very few people that use it. So why put so much emphasis on a degree? Well, I'd imagine growing up in your house, you probably don't have much of a tolerance for laziness, excuses, you know, whining, right? So I'm sure that some of your upbringing shaped the types of people that you would introduce and welcome to your organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's how we were raised, man. So um, anyone that's like-minded, for sure, you're, we're going we're gonna to try to bring in. Dude, I hope that house was big enough because I just can't imagine when you guys were in like high school, five of you running around. It was not big. Uh, we definitely didn't have money growing up. So uh, we had, let's see, we had three, three bedrooms. So it wasn't tiny, but uh, yeah, there was, we all had bunk beds and it, it was, uh, you know, something where my mom would just be like, Hey, get outside right now. You guys are not staying in this house and we're outside probably half the day at least. So uh yeah no my parents my dad worked two jobs for six years and you have five boys it, it was it was mayhem man it was crazy well god god bless them and and i would venture to guess that you know some of that made you a little hungrier and probably a little bit more determined so it's a good thing yeah for sure i mean the, the one thing they drilled into us was you know there was no handouts uh we were going to earn everything that we had um it was kind of like, hey, if you want to go to college, great. Uh, you can pay for it or you can find a way to get there for free. Uh, but, you know, we're not paying for it. We're not buying you a car. Uh, you know, go go figure it out on your own. Last question. Where is the best place for people to buy the product and how can they follow the company on social media? For sure. Yeah. So we're um, we are we have a couple of national accounts. Uh, we are in Vitamin Shop. We are in GNC. 
Uh, we're on Lifetime Fitnesses as well. Um, then we're scattered throughout, you know, grocery stores and stuff like that as well. But best spot still, um, iShaker.com. It's going to be our newest releases. You can personalize the bottles there. Uh, you're always going to get some kind of deal or free thing, um, you know, so stuff like that as well. So definitely check out the website. Uh, find us on social at iShaker. Find me on the social media pretty much everywhere at Chris Gronkowski. Awesome. Well, Chris, we so appreciate the time and glad to hear the business is growing rapidly and can't wait to watch it continue to do so. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. All right, we're back. Great interview, great entrepreneur, some great takeaways. As always, our post-game show where we break down the interview, what we learned, uh, what entrepreneurs should take from the talented entrepreneur that we interviewed. So, Joe, you're up first as always. I've got two things, and and they may even uh, correlate, but the first thing that uh, jumped out at me is Chris is the type of entrepreneur that likes to figure things out. Uh, he and I call this that uh, it's it's harder fought wisdom and knowledge. He likes to work through problems, think through problems, uh, figure things out on his own. And I, I think if you put the time into and we do this a lot, we think about the challenges and problems we have in the business that we co-founded together, and we really think about strategic moves and what that might look like, and we look for resources. So yeah, it's more fun than doing the actual work. Yeah, it is. The problem, Love the strategy. The problem solving is yeah, it's the, it's the fun part of doing this stuff. It's the actual work that can bog you down. Yeah, see, uh, <laughs> it's the uh, execution that that is sometimes tedious and boring. But for all entrepreneurs, yeah, most, most. And, but it's so now we could talk about execution for hours, and we're damn good at it. But he likes to figure things out on his own. I, th- I think that when you have a thirst for knowledge, we call these people lifetime learners, when you're willing to go out there and do a little reading, um, do a couple internet searches, just figure some things out on your own. It's not a bad thing. Yep. Um, and then the second thing that he mentioned that really uh, hit me is he prefers hiring scrappiness, and I think he used the word scrappiness, versus academic degrees. So mm-hmm. I think we can get fooled sometimes someone could make a uh, their resume look really pretty <laughs> and if you have a lot of letters uh, behind your name that's not a bad thing that's a positive thing but Gronk looks for people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get stuff done yep. and so I imagine an interview with Chris um, uh, probably slices you open or lays you bare. He probably goes real deep with some of the things he wants to know about a person. I've always thought the the, the two greatest interview questions uh, we could ever ask, and I don't think you could ask them this way. I don't think it would play well. But the two questions I thought that if I only had two questions to ask, um, it, it would be uh, this: it, At your core, Tom, who are you? And I don't know how to ask that. I've never, I've never refined that. But at your core, who are you? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, why the heck do you want to do this work here with our company? Yeah. And really, every interview question we ask speaks to those two things. Who are you at your core and at your heart? And why do you want to do this work? And Chris looks for people that are scrappy. He tries to identify scrappiness versus just academic knowledge. I think that's a big point. When tying in with that core question, another way I've, I've heard it asked by um, an entrepreneur that I know is, Tell me about your origin story. 
Oh, okay. And so like what that. that's really doing is it's, I want to know about your childhood. I want to know about some of the, the challenges and issues you've had. And you're really, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking into their soul to say, okay, what's at the core? Is this a gritty, hardworking person? Is this someone that's entitled and been handed everything? Right. And that maybe that's another, you know, just thought for entrepreneurs that are interviewing people. And by the way, in your career, how many people have you interviewed? It's it's over six thousand. Yeah, isn't that isn't that wild? I mean, I've you know, I've obviously heard you say that before. It's just that's really interesting. So there's a lot of things I've learned from you that you've learned over time. That's that's really interesting. Um, and, and tying in with that hiring, because my notes from the conversation were really around uh, people who are willing to figure things out on their own. It's a different type of person. It's someone that doesn't make excuses, that doesn't try to say, oh, I thought she was going to do that or I thought he was going to do it. Just someone that's like, all right, if something's in front of me, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to just sit here paralyzed or, or ask for help. And, you know, here's the thing. And, and this is a mistake that I made as an entrepreneur for years. I felt that as a leader, as an owner, as a founder, as a manager, that I had to adapt myself to everyone else. Well, you know, she's this way, so I need to meet her where she is. And he's this way, and I need to meet him where he is. No, 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 no. That's wrong. You need to find people that share your values align with you. So Chris is who he is. And some people are going to go, what an incredible guy. I'm just like him. That's who I want to work for. Other people are going to be terrified by him. But you can't put people around you that are terrified by you or don't like your style. You, you're, you're going to cause yourself so much stress and ultimately build the wrong culture in your organization if you're constantly trying to adapt to everyone else. So if you want people that figure things out on their own, hire people that figure things out on their own. If you want people that are not entitled or don't make BS excuses, hire those people. And the only way you can hire those people is if you know how to evaluate those people, which is what you just said. So if you're looking for someone that has a certain core, a certain set of values, then you need to ask that question and determine that during the interview um, and really get to the heart of that. Yeah, I think craft, that's, craft your questions very intentionally. Absolutely. Um, you know, he mentioned having no handouts as a kid. And that's how it should, I won't say it's how it should be, but <laughs> it's, 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 it's good when it is that way. Um, when someone has grit, they have work ethic, um, it's a tremendous benefit. And I think that in terms of looking for employees, look for people that that's their origin story. You know, maybe they didn't have everything they wanted. Maybe they had to work for things because they're going to make incredibly loyal and strong uh, members of your team. Um, did not use the Gronk name. And, you know, he brought up a great point because everyone goes, oh, Gronk, everyone knows that name. And he's like, yeah, it works well in New England. Maybe it works well in Tampa Bay now, but it probably doesn't work in Buffalo. <laughs> right. And so, you know, that it's an interesting thing. And I think he actually did the right thing by not using it and building a separate brand. Um, you know, we talked about competition, how it drives you. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, we have to be competitive and we have to find something or someone to compete with. And I think it's healthy to say, hey, this rival, I'm going to build a better uh, product than them. Or, you know, um, this person, I'm going to do better than him or her. And, and I think that you've got to just, you've got to create competition for yourself. Yep. And you've got to create a benchmark and you've got to create goals. And you've got to be coming in every day competing. And I think that's so important. So that's really it. You know, this was a, a great interview, great entrepreneur, um, growth-minded, growing at a fast rate. Uh, again, this is number 30, yeah. and it's another one that, you know, we learned a lot from. There's a well, lot of great congratulations lessons here. On what, 30 on, episodes? On putting up with me for 30 episodes. Okay, that's, that's the least <laughs> of my problems is 30 episodes. Okay, I, I can do 
a hundred podcasts with you. Yeah. It's the eleven other hours each day <laughs> that we're here. You know, at one point, you know, we do we do 10, 15 Zoom calls a day, many days. Okay. Yep. And we used to do them sitting side by side. We we don't do that anymore. It so, was a big desk, but we we're still side by side. Yeah, so we, we no longer do that. So we're trying to create a little bit of little separation. bit of separation. That's right. So we we do not we actually I just sent you an article. It was about co founders of businesses <laughs> needing going therapy. needing needing therapy, like professional <laughs> therapy. And you know, I was just like actually I didn't even make a comment. I just forwarded it to you. You're like, is this us soon? I said, No, no, no. That's not us. Uh, right. It's no. We're we're doing great. We're doing great. We put up with. We're each. having fun. And you know, a partnership is like that. You have to give the person. You can't be too critical of someone that that you're partnered with. You have to give them the ability to be themselves. Yeah. And accept that. Now we have fun around here. So uh, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. If you're an entrepreneur that wants to grow faster. Tom at growth10.com, Joe at growth10.com. And if you're a seasoned entrepreneur that wants to mentor other entrepreneurs in a mastermind uh, and, and be well compensated for your expertise and your wisdom, Tom at growth10.com, Joe at growth10.com. We're here. We're always here. You know, we're, we're grinders, man. We're entrepreneurs and we love what we do. And uh, we so appreciate you listening to the show and supporting it. And as always, we'll see you next week on Tuesday for an all new episode of Outside the Tank.